spring Sunday school session. This is called Equipping the Saints, a primer to biblical counseling. This week we're going to be covering Fear Confronted. The other day my wife asked me what the difference is between anxiety and fear. And apart from their dictionary definitions, there isn't really a whole lot of difference. Anxiety, as we learned last week, is a feeling that grows out of uncertainty over things that we cannot control. And what we took away from the lessons last week was the importance of focusing on God more and on ourselves less. In his book, When People Are Big and God is Small, Edward Welch points out that the fear of man is actually the opposite of the fear of the Lord. And when we consider the concept biblically, the fear of man is perhaps one of the most common sins that a Christian will wrestle with. Think about it. Why do we lie? To protect someone's feelings? That's one way to put it. But if we're being honest, isn't it because we don't want them to think poorly of us? Why do we exaggerate or brag about our abilities or our accomplishments? Aren't we simply putting more of an emphasis on what other people think than we are on whether or not God himself is actually pleased with us? In a moment, we're going to meet Katie, a woman who's practically petrified by her fears. And we'll see how biblical counseling helps her to identify the underlying roots which bring about the thoughts and insecurities which keep her from experiencing real peace. And using God's word, Dr. Gifford will help her and all of us learn how we can refocus on God in order to be transformed. Please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you and we praise you for this morning where we are able to once again gather with your church to worship you. We pray this time that we have set aside to study your word, to understand your will for us as your children will be a time of renewal and a time of healing. As we examine the scriptures to learn how to avoid the snares that mean to take our focus off of you. Lord, teach us how to trust you and how we can encourage each other to trust you the way that you desire. We lift up your name, giving it the honor and glory that it deserves, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. parts of life that are difficult with my anxiety and all of that is just um, 
I have especially hard time when my kids are away from me. Um, cars um, are make me very, very anxious. Um, going anywhere really outside of our hometown is, is very difficult for me. Um, it's just very, very recently that I, I've been able to let my husband start driving us again places because I'm just terrified we're going to get into an accident and I'm, I'm, I'm just terrified something's going to happen to my family and as much as I don't want it to be my fault, I'd almost rather it be my fault than it be somebody else's fault and I have to live with something happening to all of them. Fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's good to fear fire, and guns, and dangerous situations. In fact, fear can be your friend. It acts like an internal fire alarm that alerts you to danger. Fear is innately good, but fear can jump categories from being helpful to being harmful, from being non-sinful to being sinful. Fears manifest themselves in many different ways, from fear of flying or spiders and snakes, fear of heights or even fear of going outside. Katie has a phobia, but it's not one that you might expect. Katie is consumed with the fear of her children getting hurt, abducted, or, or even killed. While a parent is always vigilant about the safety of their children, Katie's fear has crossed the line into being a life-altering fear. We all have fears. And what we fear shows what we value. And when I fear losing it, it means I really appreciate it, I value it, I prioritize it. On her PDI, she put down how this affects her children or her family. So our goal is to sit down with her and ask her about those fears, and then, Lord willing, be able to help her prioritize and fear the Lord, which will address the other fears in her life. Dr. Greg Gifford. Hi. On your PDI, you mentioned anxieties and fear. And I wanted to just hear some of the ways that your fears manifest themselves predominantly. I, I get very, very like anxious any anytime we go anywhere as a family or me and my husband without our kids. And like something happens to our child and they end up dying because we chose to go out of town for the weekend. And what do you think drives that? Um, well, we had a huge falling out with our previous church, which was mostly my husband's family. And the pastor told me um, before we left, and I was very, very pregnant with my first son, and I was about eight months pregnant, and he told me that if I didn't listen to him, that God told him that I would not get to have this child, that he would take this child away. I'll dig a little bit deeper into some of what our kids represent for us, you know, as priorities are what we value. and. Uh, try to connect God's Word to some of what you're telling me. Okay, I pray. Okay, we just met with Katie, and as you heard, her fears center primarily around her kids at this point. Now, you'll see that kids may currently be the manifestation, but when kids move out of the house, it could easily be something else if we don't get to the root of what Katie's fearing or what she's ultimately valuing. So that's our goal. Our goal is to now help move into showing Katie what she's valuing more than she's valuing the Lord, and it's leading to these misdirected fears. What we fear losing reveals what we love. 
And while that too is not necessarily sinful, when our fears become consuming, invasive, unreasonable, or life-altering, then our fear reveals that the thing we are horrified to lose has become an idol. Dr. Gifford is going to help Katie dive deep into her heart to discover what idol is fueling her fears. Katie loves her children and that's right and good. It would be strange if she didn't care if she never saw them again. Furthermore, if Katie's children faced danger, Katie would be a horrible mom if she didn't foresee it and eliminate the threat. But that doesn't describe Katie. Katie lives in a regular state of fear that her children might get hurt. These fears are rarely grounded in reality or probability, but these fears control her life. In, in other words, Katie has an idol, and Dr. Gifford is going to help Katie to dig deep into her heart and discover that idol, or maybe several idols. There's maybe something else that has become God or someone else that's become God. It seems like if Katie gets to be in control and present, it'll be all right. But if Katie doesn't get to be there and doesn't get to be the driver, the maintainer, the rallier of the children at the zoo, the fear is on and there's a huge temptation to be fearful. Um, I'm also fearful when I'm there, so that doesn't help as much. Um, it's almost more of a, I, I won't be mad at someone else. It'll be my fault, be, be so I yourself. can just blame myself for whatever's happened. By and large, I mean, it's gotta be mm -hmm. you. And maybe we could say you're most at peace when it is you, right? Yes, sir. So then as you're working through that, your thoughts are a big feeder for your fears. Car accident, someone snatches them on the way, that those thoughts are what are percolating up here in your mind. And so it leads to this reaction of fear. Part of my anxiety is that I can't control everything that's going on around me with my kids. My, my oldest son, my middle child, he has a lot of eating issues when it comes to his autism. He, was, he, he has this thing where he will gag on nothing and he'll choke on nothing. To him it's very, very real. I don't know how to explain it, but to him it's very, very real and there's nothing I can do for him until he calms down. We had an episode the other day and I was home alone with the kids. I just couldn't do anything to help them and I started having a panic attack. Feeling like I'm gonna lose them and it's gonna be my fault because I didn't do enough to help them. When we fear something, it often shows what our values are or what our priorities are. The fear of your kid's health or the fear of your kid's safety, help me understand what do you value so much about your children? I, I just love them. They're, I, I spent years just growing up wanting to be a mom. That's what I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to have a bunch of kids. And when my husband and I got married, we tried for several years and could never get pregnant. And so that was kind of just a really hard blow to me because I wanted to be a mom. It's just someone that I could just pour all of my love into and all my attention into. 
if God forbid something were to happen to your children, it takes away what you enjoy, which would be your kids. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's ultimately what I'm afraid of. Your children, as wonderful as they are, they can never be the object of your ultimate love, ultimate enjoyment, your ultimate hope that you'll have love and security going forward. Your kids, as awesome as they may turn out, and I have no doubt they'll turn out awesomely, but your kids, as awesome as they turn out, they can never be that place that you're ultimately finding all of those things. That's Jesus. What are your thoughts? What's going on? I see the wheels um, turning over there. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before, but it, it makes sense. Like, I, I, I obviously believe that Christ should be first in my ultimate love. And it's, it's kind of hard hearing that I might be kind of failing in a couple of areas and having to reevaluate my life kind of in my head. I'm having to go and think about how, how that's, that's true. <laughs> I want to offer a summary statement to kind of bring it together because there's a couple of things I want you to hear and then a couple of things I don't want you to hear, okay? On one side, I want you to hear that as you continue to value Jesus more, what it actually does is it abates some of the fears that you're experiencing. And the, the value you've placed on your children and what your children provide for you, that value is actually set apart for Jesus in your life. Jesus gets my ultimate value. And if I'm tempted to find it in my kids, the answer and the remedy is not to say, well, get out of here, kids. Like, I don't value you at all. And that's not the answer. The answer is to just fight for saying, well, kids, I love you and I want to continue to love you and be a good mom and enjoy that. But ultimately, I can't find my value in you. Jesus is going to be my ultimate value. And when you're able to authentically say that and mean it, what you'll see is that you're actually a better mom. It has been rightly stated that our hearts are idol factories. It almost seems like a universal human specialty to displace God from the throne of our hearts to let an object or desire sit there and rule our lives. If you have a fear, dig deep into your heart. What are you valuing more than you should? And when you answer that question, then you can depose that false idol and let the Lord sit where he belongs. As is the case with all phobias, there is more than one root. Dr. Gifford is going to continue gardening in Katie's heart to see what root is producing the fruit of a life-altering fear. Katie has a fear a fear of losing her children. And while that fear, like most fears, is merely a fruit of another root, there is a type of fear that actually is a root. The fear is known as the fear of man. While we certainly respect people who are in authority, and we should even fear dangerous men, the fear of man is a problem the Bible says is a snare. Proverbs 29:25 says that the fear of man is a snare, a snare that captures us immobilizes us and can ultimately kill us. In other words, the fear of man might be a root that is causing Katie to be immobilized 
at the thought of losing her kids. Okay, grab your Bible. Let's go to Matthew. Jesus talks about fear in chapter 10, and he does it in the context of his disciples and apostles going out and proclaiming the good news. So when Jesus tries to encourage them, he addresses some of their fears. I'm not sure which emotion is primary in my decision making all the time, but I would say probably preservation, just trying to say in everybody's good graces and just making everyone happy so they're happy with me. I want people to think I'm a nice person. I want people to like me and I, I, I don't feel very likable. When I think people think poorly of me, I spend a lot of my time focused on that um, situation and trying to figure out what I can do, if there's anything I can do to make them like me. interacting now with some of how do I fear Jesus or do I fear people or what does this look like and and as Jesus is trying to help address that with his disciples he says this do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell don't fear people the worst that people can do and it's pretty bad but the worst that they can do is take your body. Body's over, soul continues to live forever. There's a misappropriated fear here, and Jesus is reminding his disciples that you can't put your fear in man and what man can do to you. The worst that a, a person can do to you is take your life. There's a misappropriated fear if man has my ultimate fear. Counter to that, he says, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, we know that this is a reference to God the Father. We have a misdirected fear if we let man receive our ultimate fear. But Jesus doesn't say, well, stop fearing. He says, actually redirect that fear. So instead of letting man get your ultimate fear, redirect that fear to the Lord to honor the Lord, to revere the Lord. That your fear of man, in this case for the apostles, that your fear of man is squashed by growing in your fear of the Lord, your honor, your reverence of Him. The fear of man brings a snare, and Katie's been trapped in a snare of fearing the loss of her children. But Proverbs 29, 25 not only diagnoses a fear of man, it also offers a prescription. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Katie, like all of us, needs to be released from the snare of fear by trusting in the Lord. And Jesus helps us even further when he actually encourages us to have a lot of fear, but not of man, of God. Are you fearful? Is your life controlled by fear of man? then I would implore you to create a strategy to trust the Lord more, fear God more, and you will fear man less.
We have seen that Katie has a debilitating fear of losing her children. Dr. Gifford has discovered some of the roots of the fruit of fear. He's also encouraged Katie to reorient her thinking, to not love her kids less, but to love the Lord more and to stop fearing man by growing in the fear and trust of the Lord. If you have fears, then you need to do that too. And if you said, well, that's easier said than done, I wouldn't argue with you. The renewing of the mind is long and arduous work that demands we have a strategy to progressively think like God. The way I want you to think about this homework is not that I'm giving you assignments to complete for a grade, but rather that we're going to take the things that we talked about in our session and practically apply them. So that's really where the benefit's going to come. So when we get together for biblical counseling, there will be this practical time of instruction but the change really happens as you take what we've talked about and you apply it to the daily moments of your life, to the times when maybe you're tempted to be fearful. So the first thing, I want you to articulate, to journal, to keep track of how or when you tend to value your kids more than Jesus in that moment. The next thing that I wanted you to do is to use Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 as a study on the betterness of Jesus, the superiority of Jesus. He's sovereign, he's in control, he's ruling everything. And that's gonna help you be able to fight for valuing Jesus and maintaining the proper value of our kids, valuing our children, but yet not valuing them more than we value Jesus. I want to just assign this and then also assume that it's taking place and it's local church engagement. And your local church is gonna be a place where you find long-term care and growth. What our fears can do is they can actually kind of make us like a, a crab that we pull back into our shell and we don't let anyone get near us. But what you'll find is the local church is a place where you're engaging and you're engaging in such a way that God is using those people to help address some of the fears that you're wrestling with. Does this sound realistic? Yes. I know you got three kids, so this sounds like something you'll be able to get done? Yes, sir. Okay. All right, well, let's do it. Let me pray for you and then we'll be done. I learned today from Dr. Greg that um, maybe my focus hasn't been as clearly on Christ as I thought it was originally and um, that I need to evaluate the place my kids fall in that line, that they should always be after Christ and that I need to constantly make sure that I have them in their right place. Our fears, they show us what we value. And after our time with Katie, we saw that her kids and their safety was very much connected to the values that she has of being a mom, of being loved and finding security and relationships. You know, it's important to see that we can value other things like being a mom and we should value them. But yet ultimately we value Jesus. As you heard me say, her fear of God will begin to address these other fears in her life. That as she grows in a vision of God's bigness, that her fears of these other things will continue to get smaller. Maybe you need to hear that as well. That your fears that seem paralyzing to you, your fears that may seem uncontrollable, they show you what you really value, what matters to you in this life. And, and that we have to remedy that not by valuing other things at 0%, but by valuing Jesus more and letting our vision of God's bigness 
address and remedy any other fears that we may have. Because when we know that He numbers the hairs on our head, that He controls the insignificant things like sparrows falling to the ground, we begin to think, yeah, He's got it, and I don't have to be in control. I don't need to fear. We need to hear that, and Katie needed to hear that too. One of the most often repeated phrases in the Bible is fear not. That tells us two things. We are prone to fearing what we shouldn't, and there's a remedy that releases us from fear. That remedy is trusting in the Lord, fearing God more, and loving the Lord supremely. As you implement your plan to do that, you will be on the road to being transformed. So counseling's been going really well. Not only helped me with my anxiety, but it's helped me a lot with just everyday life and dealing with situations. It's really bettered me as a Christian and a person, and I really feel like I've had a lot of growth since um, I've started. was kind of difficult to watch, wasn't it? I know it was for myself. Uh, similarly to last week's video, um, probably because it hits so very close to home. Um, you heard a lot of points repeated throughout that video. Uh, and as Dr. Johnson mentioned right at the very end, that the Bible repeats over and over, fear not, fear not. The same way that it repeats over and over, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, and yet here we are in our flesh, being, finding things to be anxious about, finding things to fear. And I think that's why it repeats it so much, because we need to hear it so much. Looking at our question and answer sheet here, um, if you would kind of participate with, with me with these question and answers. Question number one asks the question, what does fear tell us about ourselves based on what we saw? Did anyone catch that answer? Fear teaches us, gives us an indication of the things that we value right? And that fear can be harmful when it begins to alter the way that we live our lives and where we place our focus in our lives. Um, second question, how does sinful fear impact our relationships with others? Anyone catch that? There were several different ways, actually. Um, it can manifest itself in guilt, um, anxiety, as we studied last week, depression, isolation. You can set yourself uh, apart from others, thinking that the answer to solving the issue of fear is in just getting by yourself, blocking yourself off from the people and, and the things that you fear. 
Now, some of the side effects can be uh, insomnia, um, negative impacts on your relationships, physical ailments, but most of all, it can harm your testimony. I mean, consider if you're isolating yourself from people, you're not talking to people about Christ. And more often than not, sinful fear is, as you heard Dr. Johnson put it, it's not grounded in reality. The, the things that we find ourselves fearing are, are things that ultimately uh, don't have any basis in truth. You heard him uh, read Proverbs 29, 25. You remember where that says that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Did anyone catch that? The snares are the things that, that, can, that can keep us from, as we mentioned just a moment ago, being able to share our testimony, um, share real fellowship with our brothers and sisters. But the encouragement in that verse, those who trust in the Lord are safe or protected when we readjust our focus from the fears that we have toward what other people may think of us or the things that may threaten us. When we refocus that toward Christ, God's word itself says that we're protected. Let's skip down to number 25. I think we got time for one more here. How do we determine whether we desire the approval of man more than the approval of God? Anybody catch that in the video or perhaps experience it in your own life? I know I have. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. We know that we desire the approval of man more than God's approval when we're willing to sin in order to get what we desire. Or we sin when we don't get what we desire from someone. Does that make sense? We're willing to do something we know is wrong in order to get what we want. Or we're willing to do what we know is wrong, sin, in order to get what we want. See that dichotomy there? Both situations are, are bad because we're focused on ourselves, on our wants, on our desires, our felt needs, rather than focused on Christ, rather than focused on God's will for our lives. And that's the danger that we cross into when we focus on sinful fear. You heard me mention earlier that this is a common issue for Christians, and that doesn't excuse it any more than the commonality of, of sinful grief that we examined the first week, or sinful anxiety. The goal in the life of the Christian should be the same as any other sin, to resist it, to flee from it, and ultimately to be able to overcome it. 
through the sanctifying work of God himself. When we put our focus on him, our focus just automatically lessens on ourselves. And that's where we see throughout scripture, God's desire is for our focus to be on him more than ourselves. And now that we've been justified, we can make a daily work of practicing righteousness, which will result in our focus being set more upon God than ourselves. The solution is to love God more, love ourselves less. Just want to touch on this situation in the video regarding Katie's fears. You heard Dr. Giffords mention that he didn't want her to hear that she should just you know, ignore her kids or, or stop the love for her kids in order to focus on God. I think it was the same way when Jesus said that unless you hate your family, you'll have no part in my kingdom. That's not to say that we should actually hate our family, but more that we should love, that the love that we have for God should make the love that we have for our family appear as hatred. We're not being called to not focus on our children, not care about our children. We're being called to focus on God. And that's where our fears can abate. And with that, we will go ahead and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning. As we're able to once again look at the fears that beset us, you alone are worthy of all praise and you alone are all that we should fear. Not as we fear the things of this world, which can only inconvenience or hurt us at worst, could even take our lives, but we desire to fear your awesome power, Lord, your sovereignty over all of creation, over our very lives. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you as we make our way through the world this week. Remind us of the lessons that we've learned here. We pray for the health of our many brothers and sisters and their families who have gotten ill this week. You, Lord, are able to comfort and heal, and we pray for your mercy upon each of them. We ask that you would bless Pastor Matthew as he proclaims your word to your people today, reminding us of the importance of practicing righteousness while warning us of the dangers of practicing lawlessness. May we make more of you this day and less of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.